How's puberty? Uh, I'm dying. <laughs> Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex. I forgot the part where I say, my name's Jake. And producer Terry, this week we're here to talk about The Sensorites. I didn't write down when it aired, but it was written by Peter R. Newman, directed by Mervyn Pinfield and Frank Cox. <laughs> Cody. Jake. Give me your 60-second plot synopsis. Your time starts now. Uh, the Doctor and friends appear on this other ship. There's the people are really sick on the ship. We don't know why. They're sensorized. You see him in the window. Oh my god, he's got a beard under on his chin, but it looks like the top of somebody's head. Suddenly the sensorites are like, no, fuck you. And they're like, we're gonna shut off the lights. The Doctor's a complete asshole. They go down to the planet, and it turns out the sensorite's pretty nice, except for one really fat sensorite who's really a dick. Kind of a racist piece of shit, if you ask me. He doesn't like the humans at all. He tries to kill him to 20,000 times, he fails the humans go and they find the other humans that are also pieces of shit. Turns out everybody that just here is a piece of shit. And then they take the humans out and then they capture them and everything is abruptly done. Nobody knows what happened. Nothing's really cleaned up. They just leave. They got the lock back. Yay! Elder says rights, uh, bro. You have 12 more seconds. Oh my god, really? This is usually so short. Um, you, you spent seven seconds on the first episode. Uh, fat, <laughs> said, fat well, they right. went on a ship, there's a sets right in the window. <laughs> yeah, fat sets right, doesn't die. We'll call it. Dang. Alright, Cody, since I have you. Hmm. Doctor Who Magazine 50th Anniversary Poll. There are 156 classic stories. Where did this one land? 45. Sam, same question. 84. Ooh, Jill? Well, that noise makes me think it's 80. Alex? Uh, I'm gonna go 56. Terry? 119. Oh, <laughs> Terry. Terry. I'm taking a shot in the dark. <laughs> maintains his lead because it's 144. Oh. Oh, Out of 156. That's fine. I'm glad with that. Like Not me. I, I fell in love with the story. It took a while. I talked a lot of shit. I <laughs> Jake, I talked a lot of shit. I wish I had been there. But after episode three, I was like, man, this is some intrigue. Jake talked about how bad these episodes were so much that it was surprisingly really good. What I said was there's a significant drop off from the first three to the last, the second three. But we'll get into that. So, Sam, you're saying pretty good? I'm saying, yeah, it was pretty good. That's fine. 
Your favorite classic so far? Did it beat the Aztecs? It was like the Aztecs. Uh, I maybe. I'd have to think about it. I, do I want to watch it again? Not really. <laughs> How about you, Jill? I'm in the same boat. Uh, I think it beats the Aztecs. I like the story just fine. I liked a lot of parts of it, and I think ever even every episode was pretty enjoyable. But it you just... were you were the most negative on the Aztecs. Um, what do you think's your favorite story so far? Probably this one. It's the most memorable to me. Um, <laughs> because it's the most recent? <laughs> probably. My problem is that they're not, like, engaging throughout. Like, there's yeah. good parts of every episode, but it's really hard to just sit and watch. And it's only 20 minutes. Yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. 24. I definitely... Okay, well, I definitely that, pull that out my phone. Better. Terry? Yes. What'd you think of this one? Um, oh man. I honestly don't think the story picked up until the third episode. The first two episodes were painful to watch. Um, they're the best too. To no, be fair, not. he watched episodes three through six and then one and two. Correct. <laughs> I know, I was here for one and two. Yeah, and they were terrible. I was fine missing those. Um, <laughs> well, it's going to be like a different impact when you've already seen what happens. Like the mystery of the dead crew that you've seen in every episode that comes afterwards. True. Um, I think the only thing I really liked about this episode was that Susan was trying to grow as a character and not be just a whiny little girl. Uh, but then the doctor, then the doctor shot her smacked down. her down. Yep. <laughs> Put her in her place again. Uh, that was the only part that I really liked. The design of the sensorites looked like the costume designer was in a panic and say that, quick, do something in five minutes. And this is what they came up with. Alex, what do you think? This is your second time watching this one. We We watched this one for our Susan episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this one I enjoyed watching. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it had a good jam to it. I was, I was really vibing, you know, vibe check all around. Um, but I, I'm kind of with Terry. I, I feel like it picked up after the first two and like, I enjoyed the, the city stuff way more than the ship stuff. If that makes any sense. Sure. And you and I have talked about this before, Alex, but this will be new to everyone else. I hate Doctor Who episodes where, like, we go to a place, we meet, like, a society, and there's, like, an internal struggle among their people. Yeah. Like, an internal power struggle. And it's most Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. You, <laughs> and I don't give a shit. You're you not a fan of that. <laughs> no, especially... And this isn't the only time this happens either, especially a race like the Sensorites, where they don't give anybody a name and they all look the same. It just makes it like one more level of not giving a shit because they're basically not people. But that's part they're... of the plot. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that guy, it never occurred to that dude that, oh, we do all look identical. I could yeah. just put on this guy's sash. That's and take one his of job. my <laughs> biggest gripes of this episode. The humans. Well, what? 
story. You, That's the word. If you think Sorry. about it, if you think about it, the like it makes sense because their whole society is based on trust, and they would never think to break that trust. They just don't have bad guys. They had a perfect society, right? How? That's the biggest line of bullshit I've ever heard. <laughs> it's the most alien thing a human could hear. <laughs> but it's just blatantly wrong. I'd be all for it if it was co- like completely true. Like they're all based on trust. And they're not. Like the first time we see the first two, they're like, no, this is bullshit. You're wrong. I don't trust that decision. And then they come back and be like, our entire race is everybody trusts everybody. <laughs> but that guy that guy is an outlier like it's constantly brought up like what do you mean you don't just do exactly what the leader says so as like, a viewer his whole thing is he doesn't trust non-sensorites though he trusts yeah, yeah, implicitly yeah, yeah. all sensorites and that's why the leader trusts him and even though like every time he says or anyone asks for anything like barbara asks for a map of the aqueduct and he's like you ask for too much <laughs> and it's like, they just gave one to the doctor it's not a big deal we got him right here <laughs> but everyone's like oh you're being weird but it's fine yeah so cody thought that the working class was going to be the one poisoning the water it was going to be like a super big internal struggle i was like yeah you're right you you got it yeah you know why he would he would think that because who remembers that in episode two they told a story about this earth ship that came here and exploded in the past like can you imagine watching this when it aired and episode two was a month ago and you're supposed (laughs) to remember that detail about this human crew that was there and then all of a sudden these humans show up and you're like uh I don't get it. Did they talk about that in the second episode? Because I, yeah. I remember in the third first, episode. First or sure. second. Well, it's right when they meet the sensorites. They're like, you know, a human. Or first the um, the people on the ship talk about it. And then when the sensorites show up and they're saying why they don't trust humans. They're like, yeah, there were humans here before and they tried destroying everything. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I always wonder, like, what it would be like when the show was airing. Or if it's like, because there also weren't reruns. But... I guess if you're, like, talking about it at school, like, oh, yeah, I remember that 17 minutes where Ian and Barbara walked silently through the spaceship really slowly, <laughs> trying to trying to escape the sensorites, and then they found them, and they silently walked backwards really slowly. Did they, did they say how many years ago that first human contact was from when we see the story? I'm sure, but I don't know. Because, like, I'm curious now... If they had a perfect society, they wouldn't need a warrior division and they wouldn't need like a town administrator to protect their society un- unless they're, they encounter something that was a threat to them and then they built those things out. So maybe this guy was like fresh on the job and just like hated everything human. Well, again, like you're saying, you're you're assuming they haven't encountered other species before. True. Yeah, that yeah. And actually, the the sensorites are brought up a couple times in New Who. Um, during one of the Ood episodes, they mention that the Ood sphere and the Sense sphere are like in the same solar system. Oh, and they're like, so like the Ood and the sensorites are like kind of related to each other. Yeah, that would make sense because they're kind of like brainy telepaths. They also like yeah. was was the doctor holding something up at them? Someone was holding something at one point. 
See, there was like, it looked like there was like a connection. I was like, oh, they look like the Ood. And I never followed up on yeah, it. Yeah, they have this little like monocle that hangs from like yeah. around their neck yeah. that they hold up to their forehead when they're talking. Yeah. When they're tele- telepathically talking. But, and then even Susan and Barbara could use it. Right, but also there was a line about the humans and the aqueducts. They they said, oh, they must have been driven crazy when they tried to use our brain devices or whatever and lost consciousness. Yeah. But then yeah. they're just like willy-nilly letting Barbara do it. Like, oh, you won't go well, crazy. They, they did tell Barbara to be very careful. And they were like instructing her. And they're like, you know, it's dangerous if you if you like lose concentration. So early on when Susan figured out she could communicate with them, was she just using that? Well, so Susan is kind of telepathic anyway. Oh, that's right. She did say that. Okay. And then the sense sphere, like, yeah, she mentions a past um, adventure with just her and the doctor where she had used telepathy before or used like a strategy to block telepathic signals. And uh, because she's so close to the sense sphere, it's like enhancing her abilities. And there is an audio story where they go back to the sense sphere so that she can like, because she needs telepathy for something. And they're like, oh, let's go to the sense sphere. (laughs) And it's kind of fun. But fun fact, this is the first story written after the first episode of Doctor Who had aired. So this person who wrote it, um, Peter R. Newman. Like, he had seen a, An Unearthly Child on TV, had seen that first story, and was like, oh, this is the character that Susan is. And so he, apart from anyone else, actually writes her as alien. And it's the only time this happens. <laughs> and it was, they were so close in this story to making Susan a good character. And they just could not help themselves, but, like, immediately stamp it down and just relegate her to a side character for the rest of the story. Yeah, that's too bad. Even in a story where Jacqueline Hill took a two week vacation and wasn't in episodes four or five, they still couldn't give Susan something to do other than say, Hey, ask that guy if it's okay for us to bring Barbara down. (laughs) And (laughs) all she cared, like, Hey, can we get Barbara down? So like a female character can talk. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Why did they leave Barbara on the ship? So she could go on vacation. I just, like, it made no sense. Like, there was no <laughs> reason. I don't know, man. Like, uh, maybe, like, someone has to hold the button down. You know, typical <laughs> Doctor Who thing. <laughs> yeah, what's the lore yeah. reason, not the actual reason? <laughs> well, they, they said something like they wanted to leave someone up there as, like, insurance. Oh, I missed that. Oh, were they were they still accompanied by the two sensorites up there? At least one stayed up there with them. They they don't want just everyone going down all at once. Can somebody explain to me how these sensorites mean no harm, but are doing a ton of harm to these people on this <laughs> ship? Like the one dude's legit lobotomized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Like, also opened himself up to the sense sphere. <laughs> and he went crazy. 
Yeah, but so did those other guys. Like, that's just what happens to human brains with prolonged interaction. Yeah. And in in the Sensorite's mind, like, they, they weren't killing these guys. They couldn't let him go, but they didn't want to kill him. So they were <laughs> forcing them to sleep and then, like, feeding them. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, like, making their lives just miserable. What a terrible existence. God. Dang. You guys pretty much universally said you liked the last half. I love the first episode of this story for so many reasons. First of all, the TARDIS scene to start off, we get the Doctor and the team, like, reminiscing about how much fun they've had. And this... I, I think I brought it up last time. We we haven't recorded a classic episode in three months, so this is it's hard to remember what I've what we've talked about. But uh the doc this is like a turning point in the relationship of all of our main characters. They do like start feeling more like a TARDIS team, like a family. And it starts in this one with them saying, like, hey, remember when we all got together and we we're just bickering and fighting and now we're like a group of adventurers and we're having a great time and that's why you liked it they don't do anything that's one of the things <laughs> that's one, how about a better reason i was waiting for a comment uh, from anybody yeah <laughs> that's dumb you're, you're not gonna get good ones jay <laughs> I, I like. I think my favorite moment of the first episode is the mile-long chain that the key is on that Susan has in her dress. <laughs> Susan's very short. No. It's a normal-sized chain. We all know the best part of the first episode is the stinger at the end with the doll yeah. sensorite showing up outside oh, the window. So good. floating up to the window and everybody simultaneously, what the fuck is the that? First oh, time man. I saw this episode, I laughed so hard yep. at that image of the sensorite popping up same <laughs> i so can't like, why how are the, the sensorites to just are don't succumb to the vacuum of space <laughs> like they're fine no yeah. they their mental connection to the sense sphere provides safety and safety <laughs> warmth <laughs> nah I, it's so silly hey but what happened to ian's bloodlust he was, it was he was just by he was just uh, holding up a wrench and like shaking it at them and backing away and then shaking it at them. Yeah, that's not the Ian I know. Every time they were like, "Oh, hey, we were like, we're on your side. We like your plan. Let's do that." Ian was like, "Okay, but if you screw with us, I'm going to kill you." <laughs> <laughs> Both him and the doctor threats. are super aggro in this one. Yeah, the doctor is just huge red flag the whole time. Right. In those is that second episode, he's just constantly like, I'ma beat the shit out of you. <laughs> he's just like lording his physical prowess over the sensorites because they finally met a race of people that are smaller than him. Oh god, the wording. It's so true. <laughs> Other favorite thing from episode one is the shot of them walking out of the TARDIS onto the other ship. Yeah. Because the TARDIS set is in a small studio and the other ship is in the same studio, they could actually do that. Whereas now, 
the TARDIS set is in its own studio all by itself, so they can't do that anymore. It's such a good shot. I would need to see it again. Yeah, I don't remember that one. It's like the first thing that happens. <laughs> oh, was already sleeping. I was looking. I was looking for the set transition, but the way they set it up, it was really good. Yeah, because it's real. It's physically there. <laughs> they didn't have <laughs> right. to do anything. No, like I was just looking for like the edges of the paneling and stuff. Oh but, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Also, in episode one, I love the Doctor. Through most of this, is actually really funny. A lot of Doctor jokes. He, my favorite being, when they're talking to. The captain, what's his name? Nathan? Maitland. It's Maitland. And uh he's he's like, uh you're right, we should leave. And then um the doc the doctor says something about um I don't have a curious bone in my body, and then immediately turns on Malin and is like, now tell me what's going on. <laughs> and Ian's just laughing at him. I don't remember any of the jokes. No, me either. <laughs> oh, this is what he said. I learned to stay out of others' affairs years ago. Now, now, there's not an ounce of curiosity in me. Now tell me, why are you in danger? I first Oh, I remember that. that. One. Yeah. While grasping both of his shoulders. Oh, yeah. Lovingly. He, like, he holds them and, like, twiddles his thumbs. Constantly. <laughs> While everybody is simultaneously trying to figure out how this dead man is still alive. Quick, okay. add... The heart recharger. Put it put it on her chest. The whole wave your hand in front of these lasers thing. <laughs> yeah, God. I, I can't, mean, so Jake. much. It's That's just, why those first two were so bad. So they aggressive. didn't quite get motion detection doors. But they, like, you could do that in an elegant way, but they just did, like, 24 <laughs> violent waves back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you don't do that when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the Buffalo Wild Wings paper towel dispenser, maybe. <laughs> it's but the... they didn't have automatic doors back then. There weren't sensors like that. Yeah. They still don't work in that show either. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the old Star Trek, which is about five years away from happening as we were watching this, they had people on either side just pull the doors open. And uh, your favorite, Terry, or Terry, uh, Cody, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he always says that, you know, he loved Star Trek growing up as a kid, but the one thing that he thought was impossible was automatic doors. <laughs> and of course, they're around like four years later. I I am quite off of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I know, that's why I said it. Okay. <laughs> Just as soon as I hear his voice, I'm out. Oh, no. Jill. Yep. <laughs> Are you there? Only kind of. <laughs> can, can you hear us? Yeah, oh, no. I'm just listening. Give me some stuff. You're all having good conversation. Don't want to interrupt. No, we're not. I'm just talking and everyone's just waiting for me to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> the I have two things at the top of my head right now. You guys okay. talked about the, the costume design and it being creepy. Okay, first of all, the like sensor that pops up in the uh like in the window at the end of the first episode, that's not the same costume as the rest of them, is it? No. Nope. It's not even the same <laughs> costume 
as the beginning of episode two when they reshoot that scene. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, a it's different sensor. Completely right? different. Yeah. What the <laughs> they heck? They never use that one. That's ridiculous. Also, <laughs> the uh, oh, I just can't get over. Like I can't unsee like the close-ups. Anytime they have a close-up, I'm like, ugh, stop. Like the creepy facial hair really got me. Um, mm-hmm. Also, why don't they just like why do they have to use a mask? Couldn't they have just used people's faces with makeup? <laughs> And fake hair. Ugh. The the mask part of it was just so creepy. I I will say that be, that's that being said is a good point. Like we could not see any of the sensorites actors' faces, but I felt the acting was really good from the main sensorite characters. Second thing is the reveal like of the humans I freaking loved. <laughs> like it was it's the doctor and I don't know. Who else? Ian. Is it Ian? I was going to say not Ian. Alright. Yeah, it's Ian. When they're downstairs and go back to back. That's that's the best. Love that reveal. Oh, how they're they're both looking at one and they're trying to get each other's attention. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, there's a lot of funny stuff. The doctor talking about, like, how good of a time he's having as they're wandering through the aqueducts and they're... Their guns are broken and their map is wrong, and he's still just like, "This is great." <laughs> <laughs> the doctor did have some nice moments with different characters throughout. Um, the Susan when she like starts her telepathy thing, and he's like, he goes like full grandpa, and is like yeah. protecting her, like, uh, and she's like, "I've used it before," and him just like how defensive he got. I thought it was like it was defensive in a different way than we've seen, which I kind of liked seeing that side of him. But then also just like fun rompy a little bit too. Yeah, and there'll be there'll be a change later that people fans count as a positive when a new companion comes along that is not a part of his family that the doctor treats differently from Susan, and we'll talk about it one day when it happens, but fans generally fans generally consider that a positive change, but there are cases where like like this, where the dynamic of having someone that he's related to and like in charge of their care like does come up, and it it does make for like drama I liked how at the end of the series, um, the doctor was talking to Susan about developing her telepathic uh, abilities when they get back to Gallifrey, which which never happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, like that's just kind of what Jill was saying. Like he was protective, but then at the end of all of it, was open to expanding her her ability. Yeah. Speaking of Gallifrey, we get the first, like, hard evidence that they're from another planet. Like, they're... Susan describes... Yeah. They they still haven't said Gallifrey, and I'm not sure when they do. Silver leaves! Yeah, but she she describes it, and the first time we see it in New Who, um, in, I think, in Gridlock, like, this is the description they use. Yeah, this is... Gridlock was Tenet, right? Yeah. When he's describing 
he describes it to Martha and he's using a lot of the same descriptions that Susan uses in this one. And then they cut to like a cartoon of it. What a terrible episode. Hey, you go to hell. Gridlock's awesome. No, it's not. It's so bad. It had it had <laughs> the cat dude with the human wife. Brannigan. Yeah, it's yeah, Brannigan. all bad. Oh, you're bad. <laughs> go back to your loving monsters, you crazy person. <laughs> First of all, she doesn't like loving monsters. I like loving monsters. Fear she her. likes fear her. <laughs> Thank you very much. Whatever. Same garbage. <laughs> no, fear her fear her is shit. Loving monsters is great. Loving monsters is trash. Tooth and claw. <laughs> Also trash. trash. Curse of the say. Black Spot. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking oh cinematic genius. Why does anyone listen to us? It's all trash. <laughs> <laughs> no one, nobody does. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, Speaking shit. of people that listen to us, you want uh, want some tweets? No, yeah. real quick. Wait. I want to interrupt with this. I do go. too. You go first, Jeff. Um, I talked about Heineken before we were recording and said that I think I like it. Well, I just took a sip of one that's not cold anymore, and oh. it's garbage. Oh. So it's only good real cold. <laughs> that's like a ploy on fluid. You have to have it cold if it's a bad drink. That's the only way it's drinkable. They just yeah, make apparently. things really cold. Yeah, like it was good when I had it the other day, like straight out of the fridge. And I drank it real fast because it was good. Apparently that was a trick. I have a German-style pilsner called Magic of the Moment from a Radiant Beer Company. Sounds tasty. I have Olays. They are delicious. Like potato Olays? <laughs> from you the Taco John it. Distillery. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what was your thing, Sam? Um. Okay, another problem that I have. When the second command died and he was like it is my job to pick a new most important person except for me on our planet and all of the humans were like hey why not that guy and the first in command was like sure and that this was only it. the most important decision i've ever had to make yes hated that so much we shall form the council and decide it's him. <laughs> what up, bud? Here's a sash. We vibing now. Follow I me. I hated it. It was and awful. The dude was such a dick. Like, even after it, it was just... Ah! And then the humans were like, maybe, like, we made a wrong choice. Well, yeah, you don't know any of these people. What are you doing? <laughs> you managed to pick out of the three sensorites, you know, <laughs> the one who's actively trying to kill you. Right. I was so baffled that that the new second in command guy was so easily putting his hands in everything. Ah, the antidote. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll throw this mm, a map. Change what's on the map, please. I love the cliffhanger of him like smashing the antidote and then hard cut to Susan and Ian and her just going like, man, it's a good thing we had so much more of this antidote. <laughs> <laughs> it was wicked easy to just go grab another one. That was pretty baffling. Cody laughed at that too. He's like, all they had to do is walk down the hall. <laughs> Although we do get like a lot of doctoriness in the story. Like you would, you know, him making an antidote for a disease and saving an entire planet. Yeah. And, uh, even in the first two episodes, like, 
looking at all the controls for the ship and figuring it out and flying the ship to safety. You speak the truth. Literally, literally, uh, Jodie Whittaker's second episode, she does the same thing. Yeah, but those doors open automatically. (laughs) Only if you wave so hard. Vigorously wave. (laughs) Vigorously wave. But then if you slowly wave, you lock the door. And then as soon as you walk (laughs) through the door, it like closes shortly. But the tech guy realizes he let go too soon and then pulls it back up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. What you guys are talking about locking the door when they're like, we have to get John. But John's insane. We have to risk it. They go get him. They're like, John, how do we um, how do we lock these doors? And he's like. Just waves his hand in front of it. (laughs) You guys couldn't fucking figure that out. There's one thing. (laughs) John should have just got up and said, Google it, idiot. It's not a motion detector. It's like a pattern detector. You have to do the pattern to get it to open. It's like unlocking your phone with the (laughs) pattern. John was never evil, and they just locked him in that place alone. (laughs) Right? As soon as Ian and, or as soon as Barbara and Susan go back there, he's like, no, I can't hurt them. They're innocent people. Yeah, and they've literally just locked him away. <laughs> yep. Forever. I think um, Malin was trying to move in on Carol. Carol? <laughs> Fucking Barbara. Hey, Carol. I don't. I don't blame him. She. She seems to be a catch. <laughs> that hair. Car- Carol be banging. Carol be banging. <laughs> oh man, have we dropped this far? <laughs> have we fallen so. as a podcast that we're calling Carol hey, Bane? She's good looking and she's a real strong character and she like is smart in what she does. She I, carried I, herself I well. Yeah. Imagine, if you will, a a colliding parallel dimension where we select Martha. <laughs> And we place her side by side with Carol. Big, poofy hair Carol. We're not not saying more banging. There's multiple (laughs) levels of bangitude. We've been over this. As banging? We have been over this, and we constantly say, no, there is not. There are not levels of banging. (laughs) You either are or you are not. The only reason she's banging is because you see her most of the time with sensorites, so she surrounds herself with ugly friends to make herself (laughs) look better. And she's three feet taller than all of them. So she's look good looking. Someone <laughs> is not what classifies you as banging. We have been right. over this. That's it's why I the said coat. And her coat sucks. <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone? And uh, there is one correct answer to this. In classic who so far that you would say is banging? You're gonna say Barbara? No, I'm, no, not I'm... not the main team. Oh, separate. That really old cave lady. Oh, you're close. Hold on. Oh, no, it's the doctor's fiance, the Coco yes. lady. Yes. I'm glad that they know someone's Kamiko? Komiko? Komika? Yeah. That's the, that's the right answer. <laughs> I'm going to need a Google on this one. I cannot recall this whatsoever. I don't what remember about... what she looked like. It doesn't matter what she looks like. We just said that. What about <laughs> the chick episode okay, but is like, this from? That's no. Aztecs. I want a picture. Aztecs. The doctor walks into the garden of old people. And the priest starts introducing to everyone. Like, oh, this is Mark. This is uh, John. And the doctor just goes, who's that? And <laughs> just points at this lady <laughs> who's on the other side of the garden. And he's like, oh, that's Kamika. And he's like, great. 
And as soon as she he goes over there, she's like, I'm going to trick this fool into marrying me. <laughs> have some hot cocoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's, I That's a this. euphemism. To answer your question, nobody in class of who is banging. No. No, we already answered the question, Chill. It's Komika. No, nobody. None of them. <laughs> Not a soul. <laughs> I'm no looking jackets. at Kamika right now, and she is completely devoid of any form of jacket whatsoever. Yeah, we know it's all about the jacket. <laughs> you jackets. guys are making up this jacket rule. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there are categories that must be filled and satisfied uh, to qualify. almost never wears a jacket. Missy never She's wears a jacket. She's her own bangitude category. Can you, can you imagine if, if she did wear a jacket, though? Yeah, that denim jacket in the season six premiere. Come on, I would say the jacket that she did didn't she wear a Nazi uniform? That has a jacket. Yikes! That's Chill out. You just gotta speak Bro. it on the internet. That's a lot. Cancel, cancel this man. Terry loves Hugo Boss. What is that a Nazi? No, Hugo Boss oh. did all the designs for like Nazi uniforms. Oh, okay. Terry's a Nazi? <laughs> well, just look at him. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and his aesthetic in general. Did, did we also did we also verify that Terry just hates women? Yes. <laughs> Terry does nothing on this podcast but shit on women. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to not want to have sex with them, Terry. <laughs> you can still respect them. No, no, I am converting our listeners. <laughs> okay. Speaking of <laughs> listeners, here's some tweets. Oh, yeah, tweets. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie. Ollie is the host of the Companion Piece podcast, which I keep hearing is going to have more episodes soon. But... <laughs> They focused on this story on their podcast for their Susan episode, so he's got some thoughts. I really like this story. It's complex without being too hard to understand, and the whole TARDIS team gets moments to shine. Uh, Susan having psychic abilities is a really good idea and lets her show empathy and courage. The scene of her deciding to sacrifice herself to save the others shows the character that she should have been all along. The scene of them all reminiscing about their adventures is really sweet. Apparently I'm the only one who remembers it. And lets us see them growing together as a family unit. Even though Barbara disappears for a couple of episodes, she still shows her worth in figuring out the situation when she arrives on the planet. And I think this is the first time we see the first Doctor truly acting for someone other than himself when he decides to investigate the planet instead of just leaving. The idea of having villains from both human and sensorites is a good one. Letting us see the situation from everyone's point of view as well as showing the ambiguity of the situation really well genuinely think this is one of my favorite first doctor stories and i'm excited for what y'all think oh no i think everyone's like half <laughs> yeah. the people said it was their favorite story so yeah, far you're the only one terry what do you like better well, i like the aztecs better that's fine well you also have to acknowledge that you watched this Episode three, four, five, six, one, two. <laughs> in that order, it's <laughs> not really the intended. No, no, it is the correct way to watch it. <laughs> All right, BT, BT, Flippity Gigget, Flippity at your cool ninety one. Us is is that new? 
No, I don't, just don't think I've ever read the app before. Oh. BT Flippity Giggit says, The Sensorites, arguably, is the story that changed everything for Doctor Who. Like, I would argue it's the most important story for Doctor Who, bar none. Hold on. Explain yourself, Flippity Giggit. They continue. <laughs> it's the first story to describe the planet that Susan and the Doctor are from, and that it's undeniably not Earth. And it gives them, Susan in particular, non-human abilities. It's the first story to present a human-alien co- conflict that's complex, but undeniably comes down on the side of the aliens, and distinctly non-human aliens. Uh, so they they kind of have a typo here, but basically saying... The doctor's gone from somebody who almost brained a caveman with a rock and only helped the Thals so that they could get back to the TARDIS to, like, a hero who saves this planet uh, just for the sake of saving it. Additionally, it's the first story to establish the doctor as a scientist hero, the dude who both uses his knowledge to fix the immediate problem and investigates when no one else is willing to so he can get to the root of the problem. There are issues with the story, the pacing is kind of messed up, too little time is spent on the human saboteurs, and the sensorites uh, being identical is questionable. (laughs) But without this story, the entire idea of Doctor Who would be completely different. Also, fun fact, this is the first story written by someone who had actually seen the show before. I did mention that. But yes, everything BT says is correct and great. I guess when you say it like that, it is the first in all of those things, so It's the first story that, like, is like a Doctor Who story as we know it from being people who just watch New Who. Yeah. I do like the scientific-y part. Yeah. Fun to see. Jill, you care to comment on that tweet? Nope. Just making sure you're still there. Alive. Who was the creative director that came up with the feet of these creatures? <laughs> Who is oh that genius? Oh my god, I just remembered something else. Uh, Go ahead. It wasn't that exciting, sorry. Well, <laughs> be you sure made it seem exciting. <laughs> this better be the best thought you've ever had. Susan is the worst person in the world. She made oh, fun that... of the sensorites yeah. for how they walk. Susan, you are a terrible person. We all knew that. <laughs> uh, one last tweet here from the boys over at the Who Can Convince You podcast. I don't know if it's Harry or Luke, but it's one of them. Uh, they say, I like this one. An interesting story. Ugh. Shut up, phone. <laughs> An interesting story that's shot well and keeps your attention. A game changer for what Doctor would become and full on sci fi. What? What do you mean, what? That was the same thing that Flippy Gig said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> game changer? Yeah. Change the game. Welcome to the podcast, Cody. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> you doing okay? No. <laughs> Who's your MVP? I'm going to give it to the bad Sensorite, because he really made me hate him. Why is he the only one who had a mouth? They uh, all had a mouth. They it was all had just, mouths. No. Uh, his, was just you could see visible. through the mask. His yeah. was open. The rest were, like, not existent. It's because he couldn't breathe. 
Too much yeah, evil. Yeah, Cody, how do, how do you breathe in those masks? Right? It's <laughs> definitely not with atropine, that's for sure. More inside jokes from episodes from a hundred years ago. <laughs> atropine poisoning, Jake? No, I'm talking about the Breathing how do they breathe in thing a... that <laughs> you used to be obsessed that, with. That was, I mean, that was you... for the hardcore fans, Jake. You're getting fast and loose the with throwback. the term joke here. Alex said it with the intention of it being a joke. <laughs> Maybe he was dead serious. Uh, so the city administrator sense right is Peter Glaze. Sure. Yeah, that guy. Peter Glaze. Uh, and on this list, he's third sense right. <laughs> Peter Glaze. And I'm looking at... Uh, the TARDIS wiki, and it's not super helpful with trying to find this person's name. So hopefully you're right, Terry, and it's Peter Glaze. I'm probably looking at the same one you are, but yeah, he's the city administrator. Oh, no, the one I'm looking at doesn't even list a city administrator. Oh, it just all right. <laughs> Peter, Peter Glaze plays third. Third. Um, costumes for Daphne Dare, if you're wondering who gave the sensorites the circular feet. <laughs> Daphne. Daphne. Daphne, no. <laughs> Jill, who's your MVP? I'm gonna give it to the doctor. Nice. You go in character because they did a bunch of cool stuff in this one, or the actor? Uh, I'm going actor. I think he changed quite a bit throughout, appropriately. Oh, Billy Hartnell. Yeah. Sam? Coming off of that, I will say character development. So, I guess writing. Peter R. Newman. And I kind of, I mentioned at the top, but directed by two different people, Mervyn Pinfield did episodes one through four, and Frank Cox did five and six. They were still doing this thing where they they hired the directors for four episode chunks. So there are a lot of directors that just like came in and did mop up duty on the end of episodes or serials. And uh, it happens a couple more times, but then they start just like hiring a director to do a whole story. Cody, who's your MVP? I'm with Alex on this one. City Administrator Man was rock solid. Terry? I'm gonna go with uh, Stephen Dartnell, who played John. I thought he did really well, looking scared and confused the entire time, and then going back to normal. Stephen Dartnell. I think I'm gonna go with Raymond Cusick, designer. He designed the ship and the Setserite city, and he, I saw somewhere like the influences he was using for the ship. But if you if you notice it, it's all like circles and no like hard edges, no ninety degree angles. It's all like different geometric shapes, and it's really cool if you really like take the time to focus and look around at it. And he also created the Daleks, so he just deserves as many MVPs as we can throw at him. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, for next time, two weeks from now, we have the season one finale. 
which isn't really a finale. It's just the last story. They kind of just went all year round. <laughs> so, uh, it's the last story of the first season. It's not on BritBox. Oh. It's called The Reign of Terror. I've never seen it because it's missing two episodes. And when I did my first Doctor watch through, it hadn't come out on DVD yet. It's out now. They animated the two missing episodes. So I'm excited to see a story I've never seen. I'm pretty sure this one's real bad, but I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you all look in your mailboxes, there are DVDs in your mailboxes for the Reign of Terror. Cody and Sam, the one I gave you is a Region 2 one. His Amazon was sold out. If you have a way to play it, I could play it on my PlayStation. You can change your PlayStation to Region 2, but only so many times. What? If you can't figure it out, I have another one coming. It'll be here on Tuesday. You're saying you region... bought multiple versions of this so we can all watch it? When it's all said and done, I'm going to have five of these motherfuckers. Jesus. <laughs> Did you one on more award for accident? the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have surprises to give away later. Hey, there you go. Was it a drunk Jake purchase? <laughs> no, I ordered these DVDs more like, drunk four, Jake. More drunk like four Jake. months ago. And they were sold out of Region 1 DVDs. I was like, oh, but I got to make sure they get here. And then we like took a huge pause in doing the podcast because the new show came out. And so uh, they're in stock now. Speaking of animated episodes, they announced this week that they are discontinuing releasing the missing episodes in animated format. What? Why? Which is a huge bummer because they... The ones they've been coming out with are great. They didn't say why? Money. But the animation isn't good, so it can't it, it's not expensive. <laughs> They're not exactly flying off the shelves. Oh. <laughs> like there's only so many people willing to spend like the $40 on a steelbook Blu-ray of a 60-year-old missing show that they animated but if you keep buying five you could keep this economy afloat <laughs> i tried i tried so hard it didn't work i should also mention reign of terror is six episodes again so uh oh and they're only missing two that'll, that'll be easy <clears throat> yeah we'll we'll see more of these later you guys but my favorite ones that they have animations for are the ones that have some surviving episodes because then you get to see like the juxtaposition of what the animators did versus what it actually looked like it's cool wait so so are we watching this on BritBox or is this the DVD it's not on BritBox okay this is the DVD it's on DVD so you're saying I can't watch it while driving (laughs) I don't know your life I That's mean, a you, you can if you have a DVD player in your vehicle. Sure don't. I got that shitty old vehicle. Mm. <laughs> just uh, just hook up the Xbox to I your mean, radio in the car. Isn't that right. what a shitty old vehicle is? The ones that had DVD players back in the day? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, do you have a way at all of watching a DVD, Cody and Sam? <laughs> we have the PlayStation. Yep. Oh, I work. literally thought about that when we got the DVD because I was like, uh, do We've we? slowly gotten rid of all of our DVD players. I think that's the last one we have. 
We have Jake's Xbox. I had to lend, yeah, I had to give them my Xbox so they could, Alex could watch DVDs <laughs> when we were doing Brothers. That's some archaic technology, man. An Xbox? <laughs> a DVD. Uh, DVD. <laughs> DVDs. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't even DVD, it was Blu-ray. That's even harder. If Pod baby. Grows up even knowing what a compact disc is. Yeah, we have vinyls. No CDs in this house. Are you gonna edit that and go pod baby over the top? Oh, here's a here's a voice clip. Pod baby. I'm gonna use the one Jill did. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's always funny. Hey, should we see if anyone's still listening to this and gives them away? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Okay, it's not a DVD of Reign of Terror. (laughs) (laughs) It's five of them. Not yet. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) Stick with us. I do have a signed photo of David Tennant. It is drunk Jake. (laughs) It is personalized to Jake. So it does, it just says the name Jake and then signed by David Tennant. He doesn't say anything fancy. It's him in the blue suit with the brown coat as as the doctor, not just a random picture of David Tennant. But if anybody wants that, when this episode comes out, go look at our Twitter at Married to Who Pod and see if I have announced a winner yet. If I haven't announced a winner, say, hey, I'll take that and I'll give it to you. You just have to DM me your address. I'll mail it anywhere in the world. Your name doesn't even have to be Jake. It probably not. It would be better if it was, but it would be perfect. How many do you have? Only one extra one. <laughs> I have I have two, but one of them's mine. Is it the same picture? <sighs> yes. Why? <laughs> How do you do that? I only like one of them. I whether I'm drunk or sober, I have the same tastes. <laughs> no, but like why did you order two? I ordered one. Then got an email from GalaxyCon saying, hey, these are on sale if you want one. And I was like, you bet I do. God damn it. It's well. so funny because when we started this, you didn't like signed things. And now you have so many. You have multiple duplicates. <laughs> I have so many signed things. Most of them, I at least, were for charity, like the purchasing of them. But uh Yeah. When I went to GalaxyCon and got a bunch of stuff signed by Doctor Who actors, it ruined me. Now I have to get them all. <laughs> Alex, do the song. <laughs> this has been Married to Who, our episode on the sensor rights. If you want to listen to our old episodes, you can do so on iTunes or on our website, Married to Who Pod. Uh, Spotify only gives us 100 spots for some reason. If you want to participate in giveaways or just let us know what you think about stuff, you can do so Married to Who Pod on Twitter. If you want to see pictures of episodes we did months ago, you can visit our Instagram at Married to Who. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for the Reign of Terror.
Ba-do-do, ba-do-do.